welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. All right, if you have a Bible, if you have a Bible, open up to 2 Kings chapter 13. Um, I've been wanting to look at this passage with you as we've been talking about Psalm 127, which says that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And we believe that's what God has created us as parents to be, as, um, especially as fathers on this Father's Day. We are, we are warriors, and that's what the, uh, the keychain says, that you're a warrior. So as you're, as you're uh, flying down the highway in your Ford Focus, you can remember that you are a warrior. Um, but uh, we also want to know how to raise our children, how to shape those arrows. And so we talked about taking the arrow, shaping the arrow, sharpening the arrow, balancing the arrow. And today I want to just um, talk about releasing the arrow. And I know uh, the Fentons uh, taught on that a few weeks ago about releasing the arrow. So I'm not going to I'm not going to repeat anything they said, but I thought this would be a good time to, 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 to cut my sermon time in half because someone's already talked about releasing the arrow. So now it'll only be an hour and a half long sermon instead of the three hour usual. Um, and uh, as a Father's Day gift, you can get out a little early and uh, go celebrate Father's Day lunch. But, um, but I want to look at it from this passage right here in 2 Kings chapter 13. Um, and we'll start on verse 14. It says, now Elisha, who was really one of the greatest prophets in the entire Old Testament, um, Elisha, uh, did the lights just go out? Did we lose lights? You guys trying to read your Bible at all? No, you don't need that? <laughs> there you go, you can see. Um, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he, he died. So Elisha is near death, and Scripture says that he's suffering from that illness. And Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. So on this Father's Day, we're talking about a father figure. You know, not all fathers are biological fathers. There are uh, spiritual mentors, there are spiritual fathers to us. There are uh, people that have mentored us in other ways. To be a father means to influence or to give significance to someone. And so sometimes it's not the biological father that we wish Happy Father's Day uh, the most. It's other men who have sown into us, who have encouraged us, who have believed in us. And in this case, Elisha really, uh, the, the, the significance of Elisha to Jehoash is seen in the statement, uh, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Jehoash, who's the king of Israel, sees Elisha as the chariots and horsemen. I believe that means he sees Elisha as their primary defense, their primary weapon. They're surrounded by, by, by enemies, and they've been losing several battles. In fact, earlier in this chapter, the Bible tells, them, tells us that there were very few horsemen and chariots. So this, this, this idea of a, of a, of a, of a war and, and, and a size of a military seems to be on everyone's mind. And now Jehoash gets news that Elisha is, is near death. And Elisha is, is, is near death and Jehoash is crying or weeping over 
over Elisha, but he's not necessarily weeping over the fact that, that Elisha is suffering. <laughs> he's thinking about himself. What am I going to do without you? <laughs> what am I, I going to do when you're gone? Who's going to defend Israel? Who's going to fight for Israel? You are the chariots and horsemen. You're, you are our best weapon. You are our greatest defense. What, am, <laughs> what are we going to do without you? And, uh, and, and Elijah, you, you, you need to understand the rest of this story in context of what's happening here. Jehoash has come, the king has come to Elisha, and this is, Elisha is a father figure for him, and Jehoash says, I don't know how I'm going to make it without you. Well, this is a big part of the releasing process. How are you going to make it when your father isn't around anymore? How is Elisha going to prepare Jehoash to make it without him? And this is what he does. So he, he's crying out to Elisha. And Elisha said in verse 15, get a bow and some arrows. Come on, somebody. Get a bow and some arrows. In other words, Elisha is getting ready to not just tell Jehoash what he's going to do, but rather he's going to demonstrate for him. He's going to, he's going to have a sermon illustration, a prop. <laughs> and so he says, like, I need a prop to really help explain how this whole thing works. And so he says, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. And then he says, take the bow in your hands. Now, it's, it's, it's one thing to get a bow and arrows, and it's another thing to take it in your own hands. Some of us have within our homes the resources we need, but really, we just, don't, we just don't have the, the courage or the motivation or just the, the thought process or the, stri- the strategy, the strategic thinking to actually grab a hold of the instruments that are in our own house. And so he says, look, uh, Jehoash, you have a bow, you have an arrow. Now, now take it in your hand. It's important. You, already have, you, all, you are already the king of Israel. You already have the position. You already have the chariots and horsemen of Israel. There's only like 10 of them, I think Scripture says. Not a lot. It's not necessarily a a huge army, but you you already have it in your house. You just have to take what you have. You have to take into your hand the resources that you have, the giftings that you have, the spiritual gifts that God has given and gifted with each and every one of us. And so throughout this sermon series, I, I hope that I have somewhat inspired you to reach within yourself and within your own house and say, okay, what do I have and how can I use what I have? Whenever we take ownership, it's so important. He says, he says, okay, now you have it. Now take it in your hands. He said to the king of, uh, he said to the king of Israel. And then it says, when he had taken it, not when he had thought about it or prayed about it or, or called a, a, a friend or sat in and listened to another sermon about it, but when he had actually laid hold of what God had given him, when he took a hold of the weapon, when he took a hold of the bow, at that point, it says that Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. I really believe that oftentimes God is waiting for us to take a hold of what he's given us, for us to take responsibility for what he has put in our home. And when we actually lay lay a hold of it, then he puts his hands on our hands. I don't know if you notice this or not, but, but, but every single time you reach out in obedience to God, it's never just you doing it. 
Have you, ever, have, have you ever felt God calling you to do something and you step out in obedience and do that and you realize that as you are doing it, that it's not just you doing it, there's this other hand wrapping around your hand, strengthening your hand, uh, directing your hand, empowering your hand, because that's how it works. When we actually lay hold of what God has given us, when we reach out and grab a hold of what he has given us in obedience, then he puts his hand on our hands and it's no longer just our hands, it's, it's our hands but our hands are in his hands. And this, by the way, this is, this, this is a great father moment. Elisha is a great picture of a father. And so as your kids are growing up and as you're getting ready to release them, you have to let them take a hold of some things. You have to let them take a hold of some conversations. You have to let them take a hold of some relationships. You have to let them hold some responsibilities and some jobs maybe and some, and some volunteer positions in the church. You've got to let them hold some things, but you don't just let them hold it. As they're holding it, you're holding them. Because this is the way God deals with us. He doesn't just throw us out there and be like, okay, you got to strap, you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and just do it and then fall flat on your face. Now, this is not how God works. This, and, and I know you grew up from different fathers and some dads to teach you to swim just chucked you in the pool, you know, and watched you, you know, almost drown. But that's not how God works. That's not, that's, 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 God, God doesn't work that way. When God's teaching you how to ride a bike, he doesn't just push you in the back and watch you just kind of go down the hill and then crash and burn. No, he runs alongside you. He's the kind of, kind of dad who holds the back of the seat. And so it's so important that we reflect him. And as we send, as we release our kids, we're not just hoping and firing them out there and just saying, all right, you're going to make mistakes and it's all going to be good. And they are going to make mistakes. But at the same time, man, there, there, there really needs to be some kind of hand. There really needs to be some kind of protection, some kind of undergirding. I was watching, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching a sermon, uh, well, it was during a sermon, a, a, a pastor from North Carolina, I think it was, just sharing, pouring his heart out about he was, how he was burned out and how he had hit the wall and, and the weight of ministry was so heavy. And uh, man, I, as I listened to that, it just, it was so sad. I just laid up here on the stage and just cried for him and prayed for him because, because I, on the one hand, I identify with the weight of ministry. It is heavy. But I also know that I've never carried it alone. I also know that everything God my Father has asked me to hold, God my Father has also come along underneath my hand and upheld my hand. And I've never had to feel the weight of everything he's asked me to hold. Because as soon as, as soon as I say, God, I can't hold this anymore because this is getting too heavy. As soon as I, and, 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 and some of you dads, you're holding a lot. You're holding down a job. You're holding down raising kids. You're holding down having gone through your own trauma. You're holding down a marriage and a relationship. You're holding down this crazy epidemic. You're holding down the, the bizarre situation that we find ourselves in politically. Like the weight of all of that. The same day, by the way, that I saw that testimony, I went home and I, and I, and I listened to the January 6th uh, report the first report that was on Thursday night and you saw the videos and you heard the testimony of the of the of the of the, of the officers who were on the ground and you saw the body cams and you heard people chanting all the stuff they were chanting and you saw them yeah, like like these 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 I don't know what to call them I'm trying to think of good words but these these American idiots who are walking literally through the very place where they they put like guys like Reagan like his body laid there, like, the, like they rested him in state. Like I'm talking about great men who have led this country, done really well.
a vice president and they're bringing up nooses and I'm watching all of this and I'm thinking and and, and of course it became instantly political and it says it's somehow no like this is this is just sad I haven't seen this stuff my parents told me about the 60s but I haven't seen this stuff some of y'all are around when people were getting assassinated driving through Dallas right when JFK is getting like some of you saw that I didn't see that kind of disrespect I didn't see that kind of just absolute disregard for authority and for and for the rule of law I didn't see that I mean I I, I happen to live through 2020 where people were governors and presidents sat by while cities were ransacked and entire new like cities were created within Portland Oregon you know what I'm saying like I haven't seen that in my life and that gets heavy when you tell your kids you can't go downtown Austin because they're burning police cars and police are standing by, they, their hands are tied and the governors aren't doing anything and the leaders aren't doing anything. And it's like, I, I, I just haven't seen that kind of stuff. I haven't seen people threaten nuclear war before. I haven't seen Putin stand there and start play around with nuclear ideas. I wasn't, once again, I wasn't around during JFK and the Cuban Missile Crisis. I wasn't around back then, but I'm telling you, it's heavy. And it builds up and so many of us men are carrying so much with us but I'm thankful that there's a hand <laughs> I can feel leading me on the glory I don't know if you remember that song but there's a hand oh man that's a good old gospel song there's a hand I can feel leading me. I've never had to carry anything alone the weight of this world, the weight of the situation that we find ourselves in, the weight, honestly, of people turning away from God, the weight of so many people that you respect and you know deconstructing, that's another word for tearing apart, that's what deconstructing means. If I come home and Roe has been deconstructing the siding on our house, that means she's tearing it down, that's what it is. Like, I never want to be like on the phone, oh, what you doing, honey, I'm just deconstructing our house. Whoa, how about we not do that? I liked the constructing of our house. I like the building of my faith. I'm all good with questions. It's the destruction that I don't like. If the questions don't cause you to build strength, you're asking the wrong questions. And you're arriving at the wrong answers. And, but this weight, this, I mean, it's, it's a weight when you see people that you respect and people that you love and you see them going down this path. It's, it's heavy on us. But man, there's a hand in every situation, even in 2020 and 2021 and 2022, there's a, there's a hand underneath my hand that when I can't lift anything anymore, that when I can't hold the weight anymore, I call out on my dad and I realize, oh wait, I wasn't supposed to be carrying this anyway. I was supposed to be resting in the hand of God. I wasn't supposed to be out there so concerned about, well, those people are saying that and that's not true. For the first time in human history, there's misinformation. <laughs> oh, no, wait. That's been going on since the garden. Literally, misinformation's been a thing. And fools will believe it. And the wise won't. And I can rest. Say, God, make me wise so I don't fall into this mess. There's, there's, there's this hand... And your kids ought to be able to rest in you. They ought to be able to rest in the fact that, okay, I can try this, and if I fail, my dad's just not going to watch me. My dad's going to catch me. My dad's just not going to be like, well, I told you so. No, it's, this isn't, this isn't there's, there's such a thing as instruction, but there's also such a thing as support. And this is what we're needing. 
Some of us didn't get that from our physical dads, but you can still be that for somebody else. You can be a safe resting place. That when people can't carry the weight of their own faith, that when people can't carry the weight of their own past, that when people can't carry the weight of their own trauma, that you can be underneath them and you can say, it's all right, I got you. I can carry you. I can lift you. Come on, dads. Because as, as, as you're holding your kids, God's holding you. As you're holding your wife, God's holding you. As you're holding your job, God's holding you. And he says, look, reach out and grab it. And when he, when he grabbed his, his calling, God grabbed him. God might be waiting on you for your participation. Not for your perfection, but for your participation. Not for your preparation, but for your participation. Because all the reasons why we don't participate is, well, I'm not prepared, and I know I won't get it right. That's fine. That's not the key. The key is just simply to participate, just simply to get up in the morning and say, I'm going to do this. And then God comes along, and he says, great, I'm going to help you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to put my hand on your hand. And so that's what he does. He puts his hand on his hand, and then he gives him another command. In verse 17, he says, open the east window. And he opened it. And Elisha shouted. There's an exclamation point there. Shoot! (laughs) Take your shot! The east window is facing in the direction of his enemies. Now, of course, an arrow flying out of the house of a prophet isn't exactly going to do a whole lot. But this is, once again, remember, this is prophetic. This is a symbol. He's teaching, he's showing him how he's going to make it without him. And so he says, shoot. And so, man, when, when you have an open window, you got to shoot. Come on, somebody. Because the window might not be open for very long. The opportunity is going to pass you by. The, what is it, Tozer said that the, 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 no, yeah, I think it was A.W. Tozer who said the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. So there's a, there's, there's a window, and you don't want to miss that window. There's a window with your kids. I was just talking to somebody about this last week. Because your job will be there in 10 years, your kids will not. Right? There's a window. There's this particular window. And some of you have kids who are already grown, and you're like, yes, I missed that window. Well, okay, there's a new window. Because your kids are never going to be 25 again. Your kids are never going to be 32 again. They're never going to be 42. Mom and dad, how's it going? They're never going to be 42 again. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's a window. And, and, and this is true in all of our lives. At every single moment of our life, there are certain windows. Windows to, to make an impact for the kingdom of God. You're never going to be right now in the situation that you are in right now. And so there's some windows, I think, that God is telling you, okay, you grabbed a hold of it. Now go find an open window. Find an access to share the gospel. Find an access find a way find an open window and so he goes and finds an open window and then he says shoot take your shot and so he shot and this is what Elisha cried as the arrow was flying he says this is the Lord's arrow of victory the arrow of victory over Aram now Aram is the confederacy of of nations that had gathered against Israel And Elisha is declaring that when Jehoash takes a hold of his stuff, right? When he takes a hold of his, he takes responsibility and starts participating. When he grabs what he has in his house and when he finds an open window and when he takes a shot, we don't know if it was straight, if it shot straight, if it was true, if it was low, we don't know how good of a shot he was, but he fired the shot and as he shot toward his enemy, 
Elisha, his father, gives some prophetic insight. He says, what you're actually doing is you are accomplishing God's victory right now. This is the arrow of victory. Do you know God has victory for you? God has victory for you over every enemy. That's what we were singing as I speak the name of Jesus over anxiety and, 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 and depression and over, over sickness and over disease. And, and God has victory in every area of our life. And so this is Elisha as his father is showing him, this is how you do it, son. You find an open window. You take what you have and you fire it at the enemy. And as you shoot it, this is what he says. He says, this is the Lord's arrow. You thought it was yours, but this is the Lord's arrow because the battle belongs to the Lord. And so you're not fighting your own battles. You're releasing the, the arrow that God's put inside of you. And it's actually the Lord's victory and he will get the glory. He will bring the victory over Aram. This is a great, this is a great announcement. I want to get back to that in a second. But then he gives him another command. Then he says, take the arrows. All right. And Elisha said, strike the ground. And he says he struck it three times and stopped. And that word and stopped is important. It means that he stopped of his own volition. It means he could have struck it some more times. Now remember, in, in those days, you didn't have linoleum or a cement floor. You had dirt floor. And he's there, which is why he says strike the ground, because it's just, it's just dirt. It's just ground. And so he says strike the ground. I think, I, I think what he meant was take the arrows out of your quiver and, and stick, them, stick them in the ground. Because if you're going to attack from a, from a particular location, there's really not any need to have them all stored in your quiver anymore. You can put them down in the ground, and then that way they're, they're ready to go. And so he says, I want, you to, I want you to strike the ground. I want you to plant your arrows in the ground. I want you to push them into the ground. I want you to slam them into the ground. Strike the ground with your arrows. And so Jehoash does it three times, and then he stops, and then he sits down, and then, and then, then he's done. And Elisha is angry. <laughs> the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have. Man, that's key. You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have utterly eliminated Aram. But because you only did it three times, you will only have three victories. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live just victory to victory. I would like to see a total victory. Because this is what this, the first announcement was that he, was, he would have victory over Aram at Aphek. So that's a battle. That's a skirmish. That's like next week, okay? I know I got this battle coming up. Great. And the prophet says you're going to have victory in that skirmish. And it's interesting, you know, sometimes when we have like temporary or small victories, we can really get slack about the bigger battle. But the enemy, the enemy is smart. The enemy's thinking on the long plan. So he'll even sometimes retreat from small battles so that he can get you comfortable enough to not pursue him. Because if you can lose your drive, come on, dads, if you can lose your drive, if you can stop pushing, like that's the only way you can lose. The enemy knows that this is the only way that you and I can fail is if we quit. Which is why he is launching a full, a full assault campaign on your drive. He is laying all of hell against not your abilities, but your drive. He's not assaulting your mind and your, your intelligence. He's assaulting your will and your drive. 
This is why discouragement is so powerful right now. And I, I even feel it as I listen to all this stuff and I see pastors getting burned out and tired. By the way, I don't blame him for that. I believe that he's very brave for sharing what he's sharing. I think he's doing the right thing, right? But it's so sad to me. It's so sad because I love the church and I love pastors. And I want to see them encouraged. I want to see them winning. I want to see them uh, accomplishing all that God has for them. And it's so sad for me. Every time I see pastors just in this area, guys that I planted with, that planted alongside me, when they quit, it's discouraging. And I know it's probably better for his mental health. I think it's better for his family. He's making the right choice, but it's not a good choice. It's a hard choice. It's discouraging to me. It's heavy. And I, and I pray for him. I pray that his family come around him. I pray that he come around his family. I pray that he starts seeing pastoring differently. He talked about getting beat up all the time. And that's not what pastoring is. You're not a punching bag to be beat up by other people. Right? This is, this is not what pastoring is. You, you definitely take some hits. But it's like a football player. You know, you're trying to get in the end zone. So there's going to be some hits. But the hits are not from people. We don't wrestle with people. Hits are not from the sheep. It's those wolves and you just, you just drive some, some arrows into the wolves. That's what you do. You take them out. But man, sheep aren't burdensome. They're not heavy. The shepherd isn't overwhelmed by the sheep. He's overwhelmed by his own lack of food, his own lack of preparation, his own lack of shelter. These are the things, the dangers of shepherds. The sheep are not dangers. <laughs> So, so there's this, it's just biblically, it's just, it's just a, kind of a, a weird way of looking at it. But I know it's very popular, it's very common, especially around mega churches. And he looks like he built up a really great sized church. And everybody's like, Pastor, how about you take that? How about you do that? How about you do that? How about you do everything? Right? And it's so heavy. And so I just pray that, that God refreshes him and restores him and renews him and brings him back to his first love. It's my prayer for him that he comes back to that first love, to that place where ministry is not taxing. And it's not burdensome. It was sad. He was talking about this, the, the Tuesday night Bible study. He said, it's the only thing that doesn't, that doesn't wear on me, that doesn't tax me. Man, that's heavy when Sunday morning is taxing to you. How are you going to encourage other people to come to something that you yourself are, feel wore out by? You're probably not. You're probably not going to encourage them. You're probably not going to challenge them because, well, you know, you really don't want to go that's heavy man like come on like you gotta you gotta you gotta reset refocus you gotta look back at what it is that God is calling you to do because the call of God is not heavy Jesus said my yoke is easy meaning it fits you very well it fits your personality it fits your giftings it fits your calling if you're doing something that doesn't fit get out of it God's got something that fits for you so just get out of that and step into something that fits step into something that is life-giving but it is important that sometimes that we, that we have that drive when we lose the drive. And I, th and I think to some extent that's what a pastor is. He's a, he's a driver. He's a pusher. He's pushing people. I'm always pushing people to do what God's called them to do, to be who God's called them to be. And as your kids grow up and as you start to release your kids, you're going to find that you're going to do a lot of just pushing pushing over cups and stuff and 
It's pushing. Because, because we, no, don't, don't push over any more cups. That's cool. Uh, there are, there's, there's, there's a certain quota at City Chapel. There needs to be like three of them. And so I think we're already reached the quota. Um, so, you know, but, the, the, but we, 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 like, we release our kids. We don't just take hands off. No, we keep nudging them in the, the direction of their calling. We keep nudging them in their relationships toward godly relationships. We keep nudging them. We keep pushing them. Why? Because God, our God is the God who pushes us. He motivates us. He, he, he drives us. Elisha says, man, you should have just, just taken all the arrows that you had. You should have just emptied your quiver. You don't want to die with any arrows in your quiver. You shouldn't have sat down so quick. You shouldn't have given up so easily. Man, I've had, I've, had, I've had some wonderful father figures just push me. And I've been so thankful for the pushers. Some of you are like, no, I don't, I, they're, they're too pushy. I don't like that. Man, look back on your life. All progress is made through pushing. Come on. <laughs> you did, you did, like, they didn't push you and you didn't grow. It's kind of how that went. <laughs> They pushed me. They pushed me too much. That's what, that's, what, that's what some people say. These are people, by the way, who are not following God will say, my parents pushed me too much. But did they, though? Because you're like not anywhere in the direction where you say they pushed you. So if they pushed you, they're really bad pushers. They had like, like they're bad. Like they, 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 they need to get a new job. They need to figure something else out because it didn't work. Like, you know, no, I've, I've had, I've had people and, and, and I know there's a negative way to be pushy, right? There's a negative way to push people into stuff that they don't want to do and that they just, that it's not good for them. Right. So there is a negative way of pushing, but man, I've had some people like push me in a positive way. And I've had some people just keep on pushing. I, uh, one, one, one of the most transformational moments in my life was working for Tommy Tenney. And I was telling Roe about this just a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, man, I was just thinking about how different my life is because I worked with Tommy because Tommy was a pusher. And, and, and a lot of people couldn't work with him because he was a pusher. And he would push you to be better than you were. It took me nine months to get my first compliment. The first time he ever said I did a good job. And I was 24, graduated Bible college with a, with a major in Christian ministry and a minor in New Testament Greek. I could dance my way around the, the Greek New Testament. I could preach. I could, I could minister. I could counsel people. I could pray with people. That's actually how I got the job because I'd call around and pray with his partners. And as I prayed with his partners, his partners started giving financially. And the, the ministry actually had the biggest giving month that month since they had had pre-9-11. This is a little bit after 9-11. Anyway, and so he's like, who is this guy? I think I want him on 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 my team so I was used to being good at stuff being capable right I don't know why that doesn't work at city chapel I guess I need to pray like call people and anyway we'll we'll see how that works uh just kidding uh but no you know he said man we need to hire this guy we need to bring this guy in and so and so I'm working for I'm used to being successful and I learned quickly just show me what I need to do well the guy who worked before me didn't have a job list he didn't have a job description and I said, What's your, where's your job? He said, I don't have a job description. I said, like, what do you do? He says, I don't really know. And I said, oh my gosh. So I'm, you're supposed to be training me, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, just, just you know, hang around with me. So the, I, I went on a trip with him, and I'm writing, like, everything. I got six pages of stuff he did, like, in the process, in order of the way he did it. And I said, is this it? And he looked at it. He's like, yeah, I guess so. He threw it back at me. And so that's all I, that was, that was my training. 
And so for nine months, I'm basically doing that, except some of the lame stuff he was doing, because because he didn't know what he was doing, he was always also lying quite quite a bit to different people. But that all, that ends up catching up to you. So I'm like, I'm not gonna do that. And so anyway, so I, I'm walking through this, and I'm like, okay, and, and I'm getting so discouraged and so heavy. And Tommy keeps pushing me, and he keeps pushing me, and he's like, and he's like, I remember one time I was in Miami, and uh, I flew in a day early. We were going to go to uh, Christian Booksellers Association thing, where uh, people, uh, Christian authors, they set up their tables, and they like, this is my new book, and and so Tommy would always go, and he always, almost always had new books to, to sell and stuff, and but mostly for networking. And so we were going to be preaching at Guillermo Maldonado's church, uh, which is which is there near Miami. It's this large, at the time, is the largest. Um, Spanish-speaking church in America. And so Tommy was going to be preaching there. He would have a translator. And we had these flyers. And he wanted me to pass out the flyers. And so I go to the convention, this huge convention center. I go to the front desk. And I'm like, okay, I have these flyers. Uh, you know, can, 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 can you pass them out? And they're like, I'm sorry, sir. You're not allowed to pass out flyers. And I'm like, well, okay. And so I call Tommy later on the day. Yeah, so I was doing all these other things. And I'm like, okay, about the flyer thing, sorry, we can't pass out flyers. And he's like, what do you mean we can't pass out flyers? I'm like, we're not allowed to pass out flyers. He said, you need to pass out flyers. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we're not, we're, not, we're not allowed, we're not supposed to pass out, we're not passing out flyers. He's like, yes, you're passing out flyers. I guess I'm passing out flyers. And this is, this is what I mean by pushing. Like, Tommy was like, well, I know that they said no, but I still want you to pass out flyers. And I'm like, I need to find a really creative way to not break the rules and get kicked out of here, but also pass out flyers. Turns out if you make friends with the girl who's, who's selling the tickets at the front door, she'll let you put flyers on the, on the front there. It's not actually in the convention, so you're not exactly against the rules, but with a wink and a nod, she'll let you put a stack. So that was cool. So we set a stack there, and I'm like, can you just like, as people check in, just point people to the flyers? Sure, I'll do that, thanks. And then I go into the convention, I'm like, okay, we're not allowed to actually like, you know, place them at tables and stuff, and so I'll just walk around. I had this bag. I just walked around to like 700 people, and I was like, hey, how's it going? We're having this, in the hey, how's it going? Would you check this out? I was that guy, that's right, that guy passing out the flyers. Because what I found is that in my natural way, I quit way too easy. The first person to tell me no, I was like, well, I guess that's not going to work. The first obstacle, I stopped. And I figured out that, that, that people who make an impact for the kingdom don't get that easily discouraged. They don't need somebody to take their hands and say, oh, honey, it's okay. You'll be okay. We'll figure it out. No, they, 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 they say they figure it out. That's what they do. And, and, and it's like, like, but I was the kind of guy, well, you're going to need to show me. I need like a 10-step list. We need to figure out how this thing works. And Tommy's like, no, you just need to pass out the flyers. And so what's really interesting is like God will take you into places and he'll, push, he'll, he'll put you around pushers. He'll put you around people who just are like, hey, how about you do this? Hey, how about you do that? Well, I don't think I can. Yeah, sure you can. Go for it. Like when we started City Chapel, I never would have started a church if I hadn't worked for a pusher for two years. Never. The first person who told me, I really don't want to join your team. Like I would have been like, oh yeah, that's right. It's pretty lame, isn't it? Yeah, we probably shouldn't do this. Like, I mean, I would have got so discouraged with the amount of people who are like, oh, no way. Oh, no way. Oh, yes, I'll be there but it really means no way. You know what I mean? It's like the whole Texas no. Sure, absolutely. That sounds great. I think this sounds like my kind of thing. I will be there. Absolutely. I'll see you Sunday, Pastor. Like that doesn't mean they'll see you Sunday. 
that means they will not see you Sunday. That's usually what that means. And I wasn't aware of that. Like, I would have got so discouraged. But there was something inside of me that learned how to push through discouragement, that learned how to push through barriers, that learned how to push when other people said that you really probably can't do this. To learn how to push whenever we're trying to work out the finances of how are we going to buy speakers and stuff because we have a team of like 30 people and we don't have $100,000 that I thought we needed. <laughs> and God said, well, you need to push. So many times. And, 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 it's, and it's because I've been, I've, been, I've been pushed by people in a positive way. I don't mean in a negative way. I don't mean that Tommy like, you know, beat me into the ground or anything. He was just always pushing. And I think this is what our Father in Heaven does. Our Father in Heaven is always driving us to never be content with only having the amount of people saved who are saved. Scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish. We're talking flyers to everybody. 7.6 billion or how many people there are right now. It's probably grown since then. God has a desire for everyone to be saved. And I don't mean everyone to be in church. I mean everyone to be saved. Everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is what he desires. And until he sees that desire, he's going to keep pushing his church and pushing his bride. He's going to keep pushing you into your calling. He's going to keep pushing you into, into the gifts and using the gifts that he's put inside of you. He's not content with you to sit on your arrows. He's going to keep asking you to keep driving arrows until you, until you use up all of them. And I'm thankful for all the, all the dads in here, man, that keep pushing through so much junk. Some of the dads in here, man, if, 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 if half you went through the stuff they went through, you would have quit by now. We got some pushers. We got some strong people. And I'm encouraged by them. I'm, 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 I'm inspired by them because I see all the mess they've been through and they keep pushing. They keep planting arrows. They keep striving. They keep getting up in the morning and going to work. They keep providing for their family. They keep having difficult conversations with their kids. They keep, I'm not saying that they're the most brilliant people in the world, but man, it's the brilliant people. It's not the brilliant people who change the world. It's the pushers. They push themselves to get up and go to church. They push themselves to come on Wednesday night. I was talking to a dad this past week, right, about his own like Bible study with his kids, which sounds okay. <laughs> and I said, man, you know, honestly, your Bible study is way better than my Bible study. Because <laughs> my, bu my, bu my, bu my bubble study is better. I'm studying bubbles way better. My Bible study is a lot deeper on Wednesday night. It's awesome. But the kids probably retain like 10% of it. Because I've been one of those kids in those Bible studies. And I've doodled and I've taken some notes and I've been like, oh, that's interesting. And I was six years old, we, 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 we made a plate, and I don't even remember what it was for. It was like in kids' church, where you, where you draw something on a plate, stick it in an oven, and I don't know, the kid's pastor bought a new, you know, whatever. And, and so then, and then it, 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 it bakes it, and then it's a plate. And my parents still have this plate at their house. And I, and I, I did some really lame drawings, right? And then I, I was five, and so people were like ahead with like, like legs. It was a head and legs. That, that was my version of people in our family. Peter was a circle. That's all he was. He was two years old. He didn't get legs or nothing. He just a little circle. And then right in the middle of it, I wrote something that I had heard at a Bible study. Might not be inspiring to you. It was inspiring to me. It says, God stands and laughs at the efforts of men. That ought to explain a lot about my preaching right there. That ought to help you understand a five-year-old Harry was inspired 
by how God stands and laughs, there it is, at the efforts of men. <laughs> That's the three. God stands and laughs at the efforts of men. It inspired me. I, remember, I was five years old, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. My efforts don't count for very much. It's his power in me. When I strive, it doesn't work. I need God, and that spoke to me. So you don't know what your kids are picking up. They're picking up something, but I'll tell you what they're mainly picking up is that dad, after working a long day of work, made it to church on Wednesday night. That's what they're picking up. More than anything else, that's what they're picking up, that my dad was a driver, that my dad didn't quit. That my dad's thought this stuff was important. Like they, 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 they're, they, there's stuff you learn and then there's stuff you, you, you receive. Value systems are received. And you're passing on a value system. You're pa right now you're passing on a value system sitting in church. Right now watching online, you're passing on a value system. Now, I remember my dad uh, used to get us up. We there was a year, there was a year stint, stint where we drove three hours one way to church. It was in Mount Pleasant. We were in Port here in Michigan. There was this church in Mount Pleasant because it's not just any church that you want to go to. Like you need to be in a place where the spirit of God is welcomed and moving, where the gifts of the spirit are activated and being used where the truth is being preached and the word of God is being li lifted up as the truth. Like, like, so it's not just any old thing that has a sign out there on the yard. And so my parents, they couldn't find a church in their area. And so they drove three hours. They found a church three hours away and we would drive there on Sunday morning. The church starts at uh, 10 a.m. So we would get up around, I think dad, I don't know, dad probably get up around six. All I remember is like waking up to dad, like wrapping us in a blanket, like a, like a taco. Uh, like a like a burrito, you know, and and putting us over his shoulder. And this is the dead of winter in Michigan. It's it's like negative five degrees outside, snow everywhere, carrying us out to the freezing cold car. But we were wrapped around a blanket, so that was a little bit better. And he had we had an old Pontiac Le Mans, which was a little hatchback. And so he he'd open the hatchback, laid down the back seat, put blankets out, and put pillows in there, and he would like slide us in. And so all all I had to do was kind of inch my way up to the pillow. And, and cover my head and go to sleep. And so Peter uh, Rowe wonders how I can sleep through so much. This is how you can learn to sleep through so much. And so in a car for the next two and a half hours, I'm sleeping. Then I wake up about a half hour before church, before we get to the place, parents would wake us up. They'd pass us back the Captain Crunch without any milk. And so we're eating Captain Crunch, no milk. That's our cereal. We get there a little bit early. We go into the, go into the bathrooms. We change out of our pajamas and into our suit and tie. We go to church. We hang out in the afternoon with people from the church and then we take a nap in the church in the sanctuary right we were those people and then Sunday night service comes around we're there for Sunday night service after Sunday night we go out to eat with people from the church because that's what you do and then around midnight we make the trip back and so dad would get in around 2 or 3 a.m. and then he had to turn around and leave for Detroit for his work at 6 the next morning this is a great illustration for all of you in your pajamas, sitting there watching church, able-bodied people who are like, I don't know, it's a 15, is that 15 minute drive now? Gas is pretty expensive. This is a good, a good illustration for you. This is a good one. This is, this is good. This, is, uh, this will push you. This will push you to, to get a little drive inside of you, to show your kids that this is important. 
This is so important. This is more important than the next newest, latest iPhone. I'll go wait in line for This is more important than whatever you got going on. The Word of God, the gathering of the saints, the encouragement of my like this is more, and it's not. It's not always a concert, right? <laughs> Church isn't always the same as going to, a, you know, a, a Hillsong concert, you know, where everybody is like all so in love with Jesus before the first chord is even played. You know, I was, I was talking to the worship team about that this week. I was like, man, like, I, I took a snapshot of this video that we were, and I'm like, just, just so you know, our church isn't going to respond like this. Just so you know, because that's not normal. Like the intro was not that powerful. Like people aren't getting slain in the power under the power during the intro of a song. This is not how that works. And so it's not, but it's real life. And we engage with the Holy Spirit and we engage with each other and we call each other higher and we push each other. And there's an activation of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this place. And so we push and we push. And he says, all right, now take it and go, and go shoot. <laughs> go fire. He, he, he should have pushed a little more. But with what he did grab and what he did have, he uh, accomplished something. He, he, uh, he released the arrow. And I was talking to uh, Pastor Rocky about this uh, last week after service. He, he had some thoughts around this, and it was the same thoughts that I was having uh, when... when uh, Kirk and Tiffany talked about the release. One thing about releasing an arrow, the arrow has to have this notch in it called the, the knock. And it's a, it's a notch that's a space reserved for the, the string or the cable or the cord or whatever it is of the bow. And that's what gives it its power. And so, and so we were talking, uh, Rocky and I were talking about how the bow is really the Holy Spirit. I mean, I guess you could say the bow is God and the string is the, the Holy Spirit. It's one of the persons of the Trinity. But anyway, you could, I guess you could, you could break it down. The handle could be the sun. And anyway, so just, just from, a, from a standpoint, though, this is God. And, and this is the power for all, each and every one of us. The, the power for our kids to accomplish victory is not found in our own strength. Right? God stands and laughs at the efforts of men, apparently. I don't know who said it, but it's on a plate in my parents' house. <laughs> because the efforts of men are feeble. The arm of flesh will fail you. But the power of God, now that's power. The power of God will propel you into your destiny. The power of God will push you in a way that is more powerful than you can push yourself. So I'm not, as I'm talking about pushing, I'm not just talking about self-effort. I'm talking about self-effort in conjunction with the power of God in response to the word of God. So what happens is you have this, you have this hole in your, in your spirit and it's reserved for God. You have this space carved out and nothing else can fill it. Nothing else can, can fill it the way that God can. And so you come into contact with God and you, <laughs> and you, and you, and you lock in with his Holy Spirit and then you lean on his Holy Spirit and something happens and I'm not going to actually do this in front of y'all, but <laughs> the power of God starts to, starts to pull like this, and there, there's, there's pressure, and so you lean harder on the power of God, and you lean 
more fully into the power of God and you lean even more fully into the power of God and as you're leaning the 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 more of your weight and your effort and your life are leaning on the Holy Spirit within you the more trajectory you're going to get because the further you lean the further you fly the the harder you push into God the further you fly the, the more fully you, 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 you stop relying on your own strength, the more fully you stop relying on, on, the, on, on the weight of the arrow, the more the arrow stops relying on the, on the weight of the arrow, the more powerful the arrow becomes. But the truth is, and I brought a couple of bows here, because the truth is that really God is as big or as little as you allow him to be in your life. And so many of us are working with the Holy Spirit that's about like this. I actually, I asked the kids if they had one of those toy bows, the little ones that shoot the little suction cup one when I was a kid. And I'm like, do you guys have one of those? And Mike is like, no, those are for babies. Um, this is, a, this is the, the, the smallest toy one that, that they had. And I said, okay, well, this will do. I mean, this will only shoot so far. And your level of God, how big you see God, how big you make God in your life, that's about the level of the trajectory. You say, I'm leaning on, on the Holy Spirit, but you don't believe the Holy Spirit has gifts for you today. I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit, but you don't believe that the Holy Spirit can give you words of prophecy for somebody at Walmart as you're checking out. No, I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit, but you don't believe the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to deliver you from a decade-long habit. Lean on the Holy... Your, why? Your belief of God is your limitation. It's, the great, it's one of the greatest limiting factors for any of us. When, when, we, when, when we start leaning on God and start leaning on the Holy Spirit, but we lean on a God who is not able to save, man, we're missing out on the power of God. So you may accomplish a couple victories. You may fly a little bit. But you will not, you will not do what God has created you to do. Because this, this version of God can only take you so far. Uh, this past week of Bible study, Alan was asking me, he said, he said, so do you like to preach about sanctification or salvation more? And I said, well, neither. I, I, I like to preach about God. That's, that's, that's what I like to talk about. And uh, he said, yeah, when you get God and people. I, yeah, I said, because salvation and, and sanctification is all about people. I prefer not to talk about people. I like to talk about God. And uh, he said, yeah, when you get God and people together, like that's when you have real power. And it's true. I keep trying to tell people about God. <laughs> and then when I'm with God, I tell God about people. That's called prayer. And then I'm with people, I tell people about God. Because it's their version of God that has them trapped in a powerless Christianity. It's, their, it's their, their, their idea of God in their head. It's the limitations that they've put God, God's not actually in a box, but in their mind. This is why Peter says, sanctify the Lord in your mind. What does that mean? Set him apart in your mind as so much greater than yourself, as so much greater than your denomination, as so much greater than your parents' church, as so much greater than what you have actually experienced yet. Right? Like, it's like, well, I don't know. I'm a little nervous about that. I've never seen that. Well, okay, God, so much more than you have seen or experienced. He's so much more than a feeling of goosebumps that you have every once in a while. He's so much more than your favorite song. <laughs> He's so much more than, than your favorite sermon series. He's so much more than, than, than sitting on, on, on a seat and listening and feeling good. He's so much more than games. He's so much more. He's so much more than salvation. And in fact, he's much more than sanctification. 
He's bigger than all of it. And he has great plans for us. And so what I did is I grabbed Alan, I think. Is it, did, did, is this, is this yours, Alan? You gave it to, the bro came home with it one Sunday. I don't know how this happened, but I think, I, th- I think Ro came home with it and, and it had something to do with Alan Baker. So yeah, this is, anyway, this, this here is a knife. This is a, no, just kidding. That's from Crocodile Dundee. This here is a, me quote movies y'all don't even know. Uh, this, this here is a bow. Like this right here, this is, this is a bigger version of God. Now this takes a little more power to pull. So I don't know what it's set on. This is set on like Allen muscle level. I don't know if it's set on my muscle level. It's also a left-handed bow and I am not left-handed. So, uh, actually I think, right, this is left-handed bow. Is that right? Yeah. So, so anyway, if we have any left-handers here and you would like this bow, um, Come talk to me after service. Alan gave it to us if, if we needed it. But honestly, like I, my left hand's never going to get there. I'll just tell you right now. I, at 42, my left arm's not going to get there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with my right. You know what I mean? So I'm just trying to keep up. So anyway, if, this, if, this, if you'd use this, this can be your Father's Day or Son's Day present or whatever you like. Um, anyway. Okay, so no, the, but this this is more the power of God when we increase our level. I mean, doesn't this even looks more dangerous? Come on, somebody! Like I don't I, I don't even know how to shoot it, but this looks powerful. It's got a little scope and stuff. Like that's got to do something. I don't know what, but it, it, no, like this is like we 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 need to increase our level of understanding of God. Come on, He's got spiritual gifts for you. The Holy Spirit is not just somebody to make you feel good. By the way, this Wednesday night, we're teaching on the Holy Spirit, shameless plug for, for, uh, for, 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 for university. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is so much more than just somebody to comfort you. He is a comforter, absolutely, but so much more than that. Like, do you know the kind of spiritual warfare that God has created you for? And while you're sitting in the house trying to be comforted, God has plans for you to disrupt the plans of the enemy, to tear down strongholds, to pull down ideologies that rise up against the the knowledge of Jesus. While the church is shuddering and, and fearful, watching the world grow ever darker and ever crazier and ever more sinful, God did not intend for the church to sit back with a tiny bow and just hope that the world doesn't come for them. The hope secular culture just just leaves me alone. Oh man, we are supposed to go into Aram, go toward Aram, go toward the darkness. The power of the Holy Spirit, like like the enemy's not afraid of you just with your arrows. It's when you get an actual weapon, then you're armed and dangerous. So many of us are just armed. We're just armed with scripture. We're just armed with the peaceful comforter of the Holy Spirit, but we're not dangerous because our version of God is not dangerous. Our version of God is not powerful enough. But man, I'll tell you what, I've seen God do some amazing things just in my own life. I've seen God do some amazing things in this church. When we started the church, before we even started the church, Jessica found us on uh, Craigslist. She was a dancer at 
Coyote something or other in downtown Austin. And she's like, I need to change my life. And so she looked up jobs at a church and we had posted for come work for free because that's the kind of jobs that we had at the time. And so she came and she's like, I don't, I, so she met with me and Ro at Starbucks and she's like, yeah, this is great. And she began walking with us. She's, she began serving with us and we baptized her. She started following God. She met, she met a guy. They got married. They have children. Last I knew they're at Vertical, I think Vertical Chapel, which is another good church in the area I'm telling you like this seven years later like God is able and her life was jacked up and I'm not even talking about the dancing part that was the better part I mean where she came from in her family and those stuff she'd been through the stuff the enemy tried to do to stop her destiny was extraordinary to me the the grit that she had she pulled one of her own teeth one time with a pair of pliers <laughs> yeah, you guys are like, oh, wait, oh, wow, well, what? Yeah, like that kind of, like she was like, she'd been through some stuff. She was homeless for a while. And she was dealing with all kinds of things. And she's still in her right mind. And she still has a purpose and a plan that God has for her. And I've seen God turn people around and turn things around and dry up cancer when we pray for people. God straighten up spines when we pray for people. God deal with, with all kinds of diseases. Like I've seen God bring uh, Carol back from near death with COVID and lung issues in the hospital. And it wasn't hard for God. It wasn't a tough shot. The angels were like, oh yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Like these are the little things that God does. Down through history, you look back 1904 in Wales, you'll see God did some really crazy stuff. And they didn't even have worship teams. They had an organ. That was it. They were like one organ and a bunch of singers. That's it. We even had a viola today. So that's like double, multiple, triple anointing, plus guitar, drums, everything else. I mean, and then my amazing keyboard skills. I mean, it's just like, so it's just crazy what God can do. <laughs> and then the little effects on my voice. That was fun. But I mean, like God doesn't need it. God, like we haven't yet begun to see what would happen if a people grabbed a hold of the word of God and said, I believe that is true. I believe that is for me. I believe that is for now. And I'm going to grab a hold of that. And I'm not going to be content until I see God move in my family, in my church, in my city, in my state. This is what God is calling us to. And so anyway, I just want to offer this to you, and I want to offer a prayer to you right now, uh, especially our dads, but really anyone who believes that God has more for them. Would you just stand right where you're at? I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but if you just stand right where you're at, if you believe God has more for you, if God is expanding your thoughts about your destiny, I just want to pray over you. I want to speak it over you. <laughs> speak Jesus. Because he is powerful enough. And so, Father, right now, we just speak the truth over your people. That you have not forsaken us. You have not abandoned us. You have not left us. We come against every ounce of discouragement that we've picked up from social media or the news or whatever. We come against every ounce of discouragement. Discouragement's not from you. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So we come against discouragement right now, and we, 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 we speak the name of Jesus over discouragement. The name of Jesus is greater than discouragement. 
The name of Jesus is greater than turmoil. The name of Jesus is greater than disinformation and misinformation. The name of Jesus is greater than injustice. The name of Jesus is greater. We speak the name of Jesus over, over every situation, but especially discouragement. And, and we break the back of the enemy that would try to discourage the people of God. We break the arrows of the enemy. We fire a shot. We let the enemy know that we're coming for you, discouragement. We're coming for you, rebellion. We're coming for you, darkness. That the light is greater than the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. And so we speak the name of Jesus over your people, especially over your dads today. Lord, we ask for you to fill them with your spirit, with a greater measure of your spirit, with a greater measure of anointing for the task that lies ahead of them, that the power within them would be greater than the, than the enemy in front of them, that they would rely on, lean into, and push into the pressure, the power of God. Lord, let them drive their prayer life in. Let them drive their discipline in. Let them drive their thought life in. Let them lock in themselves in, in step with the Spirit. And Lord, would you show up and show off in their life. Show your power. Show your power in our kids. There is, kids don't get the teeny Holy Spirit either. Kids can have the same powerful bow of the Holy Spirit that we can wield and carry. They can prophesy with the same efficiency and effectiveness. They can have words of wisdom and words of knowledge and words of prophecy. They can, they can be prophets and apostles and teachers and pastors and evangelists. All the same things that, that, that these people in front of me can be. And I do pray, Lord, that you would drop. You said that you gave into the church gifts. And those gifts were prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Lord, would you begin dropping those gifts on your people? They may not feel qualified or prepared. But Lord, we, we decide right now that we are going to participate. We are going to step into it. And if it's preparation that we need, fine, we'll, we'll get that. If it's qualifications that we need, I guess we'll get that. But we're just going to step into what you're calling us. We're going to be obedient. We're going to lay hold of what you are calling us to lay hold of. Take responsibility, take ownership over our part. Thank you, Lord, that your hand is right there with us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We love you. Hope you have a happy Father's Day. Um, the the keychains are back there, key tags, whatever they are, and the soda is directly underneath in ice for you. It's the halito. Is it halito? Is that how you? Ja, ja, jalitas. It's the jalitas. I can't roll my R's. <laughs> See ya.